What's up? Welcome to another episode of Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM, where we dissect topics and issues relating to life in veterinary school. I'm Seth Williams. I'm your host, and I'm a veterinary student at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. So let me be completely honest with you. I am a little starstruck to be recording this podcast with today's guest. I'm so very honored and excited to welcome on Dr. Lauren Thielen today to talk about exotic medicine. If you don't know already, Dr. Thielen is one of the stars on the Nat Geo Wild TV show, Dr. K's Exotic Animal ER. She currently lives in Texas, where she's the co-owner of the Texas Avian and Exotic Hospital in Grapevine, Texas. Many vet schools, unfortunately, don't do the best job at exposing vet students to a great deal of avian and exotics medicine. So for those of us that want to go into that field, it's really up to us to find externships, preceptorships, shadowing experience, or eventually internships and residencies. So I'm really, really excited to ask Dr. Thielen all about her journey and what advice she has for those of us that want to practice exotics medicine. Dr. Thielen, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Seth. No problem. It's such an honor to have you on. I've been a, a big fan of yours on on the show and watching you practice uh, through the TV screen, so it's really cool to, to get to talk to you in person. Are you seeing any exotic animals now, Dr. Williams? I'm not. I, I, <laughs> it makes me want to a little bit more. Before, I was like, eh, I'm not really into that, but you see some pretty <laughs> cool stuff, so uh, you've encouraged me to step out of my comfort zone a little bit. Usually, I encourage the opposite. People are like, oh, man, no way, now that I've seen how you do that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm up for a challenge, and and why not do it on something <laughs> crazy like a, I don't know, the biggest bird you've ever seen. <laughs> but, Very uh, cool. but yeah, so tell uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, uh, where you went to school and all that. Well, I am originally from Fort Worth, Texas, which is North Texas, and I went to undergrad at... Um, kind of a smaller state college called Midwestern State University, and then did my four years there, uh, majored in biology, and then um, got accepted into A&M's vet school. And, you know, really just have always been interested in exotics, and man, life went crazy from there. That's great. Uh, And then did you always know you wanted to go into exotics even before vet school? I did. Um, since I was like five years old, I would, wow. I was, I'm an only child. And so, um, I had a lot of exotic animals growing up. My dad was always bringing home like turtles off the side of the road and we would rehab and release. Or, um, I had rabbits growing up. I've had, I've always had rabbits actually. Um, I had a ferret. Um, I mean, just really just all sorts of different kind of critters. Um, and, you know, as an only child, those were, those are my friends. And, um, I grew up just reading a lot. Uh, you know, back in the nineties, they, they had these, um, <laughs> <laughs> magazine subscriptions that were, um, like National Geographic kids. And they would, um, you know, talk about like all these different exotic animals and like, you know, even young, I was like starting to memorize like all the different taxa and like just how cool they were. and. Um, Basically, when I was in first grade, the um, the librarian knew I was interested in animals and started giving me children's illustrated versions of James Harriet. And as soon as I knew what a veterinarian was, I was like, man, I want to do that. But I want to do it on a red panda 
or a tiger or something that's that's really cool. So I just kind of combined my passions even at that young age. That's great. So what was your first job out of school? You know, I actually waited tables um, and was a hostess at a restaurant for about five, six years wow. um, through college and things. And then um, got me through and in, into vet school. And then I, you know, kennel tech. I mean, got to start somewhere. It was actually that summer I was a kennel tech that I was, I decided, yeah, I can't work with dogs. Um, <laughs> I really, really need to, to stick to my passion, no matter how painful that, you know, everyone cautions you it will be. Right. And then, um, joined a, a practice that, uh, saw about 30% exotics, you know, and I was, that was the, I started working at that clinic as a technician probably the year I got into vet school mm-hmm. um, and started getting my hands on some birds and I uh, did a lot of wildlife rehab, lots of baby bunnies that summer and, um, just really felt, just really fell in love with it, really liked how different it was. Um, and just kind of always knew that that was the direction I was going to head. Right. Well, that's great. I, I'm, it's so cool to see that you followed your passion. You stuck with what you knew you your heart wanted to be in and, and you found a way to make it happen. And look but I have to say, yeah, but you know what? Like that is not what people tell you. So I remember, you know, whenever I was first year, second year and they're telling you, you know, oh, you have to be like pretty much straight A's to get an internship. Mm-hmm. You have to be perfect. Oh, if you want to be a, a, a zoo vet, you have to do you know, rotating small animal internship plus like two to three other internships. And then maybe you'll get a residency and then maybe someone will, you know, retire or die at some zoo and you might get a job. Like, I mean, (laughs) they make like, seriously, they make getting into exotic animal medicine, this bleak, like, just like treacherous climbing Mount Everest path. And And I'm not saying it's not challenging. Um, I think it depends on what you want to do. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but I didn't even understand that my job existed till third year of vet school. Wow. Like, I mean, I knew people did, you know, like I, I worked at the clinic that did rabbits and things, but I was pretty much convinced that I wasn't going to want you know, I wasn't going to be good enough or, you know, be able to work at that zoo, do all that stuff that they see all those hoops people are talking about. Um, and so I'm probably going to have to do mixed. And then I just started researching and talking around and found that exotic animal clinical practice is actually a thing. So you mean that I can like do GP practice, but do it with exotics. And after that, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. That's it. That's great. (laughs) So how'd you get hooked up at Dr. K's practice? I created my own internship. Nice. <laughs> I, was like, I was Googling, um, like I, I stumbled upon um, the Association of Exotic Mammal Veterinarians website. And they had like a super old job posting. Um, I'm in charge of that website now. So it is definitely edited. <laughs> Go uh, it's, up, it's updated now. Um, but, you know, back then I, I, I was just, you know, browsing the internet and it was a job opening that was open like three years ago um, old, but I was like, just Googled the clinic. And it seemed really cool. I was like, man, this is exotics only. Um, you know, Dr. K, she seems like a cool woman. Um, I'll just email her, just see what she says. Yep. And she, you know, emailed me back. Oh, you know, I'm just 
not hiring an intern right now. You know, I, I don't think I'm going to have time for the mentorship. We're just not at that, you know, place in our practice. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, you know, if you know anybody who, who needs a really enthusiastic intern, you know, give them my name. Let me know. Right. And then about two weeks later, she called me back and was like, so I thought about it. And, <laughs> you know, you, 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 you left an impression. Um, and I, you know, thought maybe I would consider opening it up an internship position. And so we kind of did like an on-phone interview. And then I went down and um, actually, you know, stayed a week with her. I, I did like a little, like, you know how you have those like little inter semester breaks, like fourth year? We, we got like yeah. two yeah. of them. Um, and so like I had one of those little breaks um, and I went down there and I just did an externship with her for a week. I actually lived at her house with her children oh, wow. and her, her life. Yeah, that was a intense interview process for sure. <laughs> Talk um, about like immersive. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> it was a little much, but I made it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we both like just clicked really well. Um, and uh, I really liked the practice. I really liked the staff. And she took me on. So yeah, that's great. make make anything happen is the moral of that story. <laughs> that's great. And then how did because just because I'm inter- so interested with how you got into the the TV show because that's such a you know a big part of how I've gotten to know you from afar and and how you know people have become such fans of what you do. Um, how how did that all play out? For being in the right place at the right time, like seriously. So um, they had this British company like three, four months before I started, come and shoot some pilot. And because it was British, they made it very docu-style. Like, uh-huh. not, you know, if you've watched our show, it's it's it's, it's definitely reality. I mean, things die, things live, people cry. Right. Uh, I mean, it, it's very much raw and real, but it's not, you know, it's it's American reality television still. Sure. There's no way about it. But the, the the way that the British people, they, they made it, you know, for British television in, um, the network did not like it and they ditched the show. Hmm. And well, a, you know, local production company um, happened to see that pilot that they shot and said, I don't know, I think there might be something here. And so they went back and reshot the pilot and it was like my second month of being a veterinarian, like ever. Wow. Um, yeah and they reshot the pilot and um nat geo loved us and like it was it was it was crazy how quickly it happened it was really just within like okay you know we shot the pilot they loved it we're filming like two weeks from now (laughs) like it was like crazy um and then they like came in the clinic and put up all the lights and um and then i got my my second family my little film family right and then they um just yeah followed my blunders as an intern and dr k's triumphs and um and that was the beginning cool no it's such a cool show and so cool to watch you guys work and um i feel like of all the like the the twenty thousand vet shows out there right now (laughs) you guys have probably one of the most authentic ones i would say Um, thank you so it's I'm really like that cool. exactly in real life. <laughs> I, and, and I think you people can can tell that that you guys don't you guys don't put on a show. I mean that that's the way it is. So uh, that's really cool. I was just gonna give a little like insider information though about about it 
Oh yeah. Being a television like show at the same time though. Um, so, you know, of course, you know, being genuine and things that's always been really important to me. Um, but I actually left that practice for two years and did my avian residency up in New York. And so I shot all of season two, season three and season four, uh, flying down and working like six days, each of those seasons. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So, (laughs) So at the same time, you know, it is, you know, it is, it is a TV show. They, they can make it look like I worked there all the time. And some of the really, you know, devoted fans were like, well, how come you and Dr. K don't hang out as much? And I'm like, that's because I was (laughs) filling in for her when she was on vacation because I flew down to to (laughs) be a part of the show still. But then I ended up, after I finished my um, avian residency, I ended up coming back uh, to the clinic and I worked there another two years. Gotcha. So it sounds like you've, you've been there a long time or you were there for a long time. Yeah, well, you know, it kind of. So I was there as an intern, two years of my residency, so in and out, you know, and then right. two years um, after that. And then I don't know if um, if you knew Seth, but I had actually, I just moved to my hometown back in Texas and I opened my brand new practice here. I did hear about that. So first of all, congrats. Thanks. Thanks so That's much. That's huge. So how's that been going? It's awesome it really is i'm um in grapevine which is just a really great area it's kind of right in between fort worth and dallas and i'm a part of this um multi-specialty clinic so Hmm. um you know our department is avian exotics department and then there's you know next to me is dermatology on my left there's dentistry then there's Opfo, and then the surgery, wow. internal medicine, cardiology. Um, then I have this 24-hour ER, which is awesome that I can like, transfer my patients to, and they'll take care of them, and they know what they're doing. And it's 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 like a dream. It's This building is amazing. They bought me all the cool toys, and I have these awesome specialists that, that back me up and um, just make it really great. That's so cool. Gosh, that's amazing. Look, yeah, I mean... I guess that goes to show you like who, who we have no idea where our careers are going to take us. And, um, right. (laughs) With your, the TV show and, and getting your residence or doing the residency and then now having your own practice. Like, did you envision any of this happening? Not at 31. No. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So no, no. Yeah, it is cool. The TV show, like definitely didn't see that coming. Um, but not even running my own practice at this stage in the game um right. yeah it's it's crazy that i look around sometimes and i'm like oh man i'm the only one in charge right now or ever like right. that's a little <laughs> that's a little nerve-wracking um but thankfully totally. i have really awesome business partners um one of them is my mentor uh the exotics um department at Texas A&M, Dr. Sharman Hoppus. She's a third owner. And then her husband, which is a brilliant businessman, veterinarian, ER guru. Um, And so um, the good news is that I get to run the practice how I want to and make it my personality and, you know, just ooze all that into it. But at the same time, I don't have to do the payroll and file the taxes and do all that. I'm getting... I'm getting help. You get to do the fun stuff. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) only fun stuff. That's what we're about. (laughs) That's right. 
Cool. So the the big question that I wanted to to, to ask you and, and to talk about uh, for all the the students out there, uh, new graduates, uh, and anyone that wants to go to vet school is is talking more about getting into exotics medicine and, and I guess touching back on what you started to mention, which is actually really encouraging to hear, is that going into general practice exotics is a possibility. Um, it's as difficult uh, as going into any other area of veterinary medicine, but I, I guess just wanted to get your two cents and your advice for those of us that are in vet school, especially that may not be getting a whole lot of exposure to exotics medicine, which I know speaking for me and my experience at Mizzou, and I've, I've talked to many other students out there that go to other schools across the country, and there's just not a huge emphasis on exotics medicine. How you get the experience and the exposure and, and how to get out there, find a job or, or find an internship or whatever it's going to be right. so that you can begin to make your career uh, in exotics. Right. So, you know, I think this is going to, I don't know, I think a lot of people worry about that too much almost. So, I mean, for me, what really built my experience is owning exotic animals. Hmm. I, I could relate with them. I understood them. So, right. you know, naturally as a practitioner, I was already way ahead of the game. You know, I knew, you know, what their normal posture was, what they were supposed to, to be like, um, why they're a good pet, why they're not a good pet. But I think just being around them really helps. And the practitioners you're around will pick up on that, too. Um, as far as getting experience, I mean, a and I'll, I'll say we did a lot of, you know, electives our third year that, you know, touched base on exotics. But no vet school is mm-hmm. going to really immerse you. Um, but the good news is, is everyone knows that. So, you know, if you were trying to apply with an internship with me, I'm not offering yet, but when I do, I'm not going to look at your resume and you need to see 100 hours of focused, you know, practice. To me, you know, I need somebody who's just knows basic medicine skills and, you know, and has an idea of who these animals are and a really big passion to want to learn more about them. But as far as trying to get more experience, um, They have a lot of great externships. So I did my externship at the Columbus Zoo, actually. It was a six-week externship during my fourth year, um, which was amazing. Um, It was amazing for two ways. Like, I mean, I was at the Columbus Zoo. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, for real. Um, But the the main reason why it was was so good was because I actually found out I didn't want to work at a zoo. I was like, oh, this is not actually what I want to do. Um, That's when I found um, clinical practice. Um, but I mean, in that way, though, I was able to meet people, you know, in my field, be able to ask them to write my letters of recommendation. Um, I think, you know, if you have an exotics department, I kind of just was always there, like at my yeah. vet school. Like, I mean, no offense, large animal surgery. I, I you know, we weren't doing anything. I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, right. I was like, all right, horses, I'll see you later. I'm going to go hang yep. out with my people. Um, yep. Love you, bye. Yeah, exactly. And so I just formed really good relationships with the um, my mentors at my, my school. Um, you know, I was um, the Oxbow representative, which is the small mammal pets, pet food. So I made right. good, good connections with, you know, different corporations. You know, Dr. Dr. Um, Coles is, is their veterinarian. I mean, he has... I mean, he put me on the board of exotic mammal veterinarians. I mean, he's got me connections. He's, hmm. he, you know, I mean, it's just all about meeting those people. Um, not even necessarily about getting the right experience. It's just about 
networking, which, you know, is kind of political, I guess, to think about it that way. But it's just getting your face out there, getting, you know, a little bit of exposure to different things, um, but not necessarily so much experience. Um, if you don't have an exotics department at your school, you know, I do feel for you because you do need at least one exotic mentor to give you a recommendation for an internship. And so my recommendation right. for those people would be to, to try to do some externships. Um, during your summers, you should really be, uh, you know, calling around different clinics, seeing if you can go, go hang out with them. Um, like I, I did some research in the Amazon with some macaws. Um, you know, that's not, it was veterinary, but not 100% veterinary, but that still is like good right. experience, good exposure. Again, body right. language, what they're supposed to be like. Um, and so there's a lot of different things, you know, you, you can get in and you can do. Um, but what I always, always, I mean, this is like my soapbox right here, but I always... There's so many people who want to go, um, and not all schools offer it, but there's this track, it's called Alternative Track, where mm -hmm. you're basically just gone half your fourth year at all these different oh, extra, wow. which is cool. Yeah, cool, right? Yeah. You're gone at all these externships, and you can, you know, if you're exotics focused, you can go do that. But I really discourage people from doing that alternative track. The reason why is, yeah, you'll get experience with tigers or elephants or whatever, but but in exchange, you missed your dermatology rotation. You missed your ophthalmology right. rotation. You didn't take cardiology. And so I really feel like that kind of burdens you because you don't get a good medical foundation. That's why all these zoos, like if you want to be an actual zoo veterinarian, you basically have to do a small animal rotating internship. And that's right. because, yeah, exotic animals are cool, but basic knowledge is much better because right. I can teach you the difference between the gerbil and the bearded dragon, but I, you know, I can't teach you those foundations of medicine as easy. And so right. yes, getting exposure and experience exotic animals is very important and, you know, networking and being involved and things like that is absolutely do all that. But at the end of the day, I mean, just be a good doctor and be personable and passionate. And I think things will kind of fall into place. Yeah, I really like what you said, and I'll touch on it again, that I think a lot of things that that we as students have gotten so ingrained in in, in believing is that we're going to get positions that we're, we're applying for, we're getting into school or whatever it is, based off of what we have on paper and our test scores and our grades and, and so on and so forth. But there's so much to these softer skills and, and who you know and, and yeah. the some experience you have. And what you can portray when talking to somebody that that's really going to get you the farthest. So I really like that you you said Absolutely. that. Absolutely, I mean, it did for me. I mean, I know for vet school, I was like, I just need an interview. They just need to interview me, and right. they'll love me, and I'll get in. But on paper, like, I don't, maybe not. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I think there's there's a lot of a lot of that, and I think it's just passion, man. I always ask my dad, right. like, I joke with them, like, oh, dad. How did how did you have me turn out so good? Like, how are you such a good father? <laughs> and he's always like, you just always knew what you wanted to do and have always been so passionate about it that you were going to do it. Like, it wasn't even me. He's like, just and I, and I really like. I mean, not not to say I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I'm just saying I, I think that's actually really true. It's if you want something bad enough, um, you'll get it, and it, you don't have to have. Yep. You know, I didn't have any 
exotic experience, really. I paid attention in class. I owned exotic animals. I worked at this clinic that saw 30% exotics. but And I did one externship, you know, at the Columbus Zoo. And I was, right. like, involved in our clubs and things like that. But in no means was I, like, had eight externships and exotic animals and worked at the, you know, wildlife rehabilitation center. And I mean, I didn't do all that. Um, right. I think there's, there's definitely, you know, you don't have to go crazy to, to still love what you do. And that goes right. actually for, you know, I just want to like touch for like one moment on pre-vet students. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get 14 year olds asking me all the time, I want to be an exotic animal veterinarian. How do I get experience with exotics right now? You don't, you, you don't like, like, I mean, if you want to volunteer at, you know, your wildlife, you know, nature center or whatever, fine. But I mean, it just goes right back to that principle I was saying at 14, you just need to be a kid. You need to play soccer or whatever your passion is, sing in the choir, whatever it is you do, be passionate about whatever you're doing, be involved and, um, get a basic knowledge in medicine, work with dogs and cats. Because they're not going, they're, you're going to be able to actually learn from them. They're big enough animals, you know, as a, as an early technician, you'll be able to place that catheter. You'll be able to do that being a puncture versus, you know, here, I won't even hire you if you haven't been out for six years because I need somebody with extreme experience because they, they, you know, the, you get one, one shot with the guinea pig blood draw, you know, right. you don't, right. <laughs> so, um, so it's a, it's a progression. Um, and just always keep staying interested. But I always tell people just slow down. It'll come. <laughs> right. Yep. Things take time. I think, I guess with our generation and just with culture, we all expect things to happen so quickly. And mm-hmm. especially in vet med, I mean, we go to school for so long and I mean, this is just going to take time and, and, uh, patience is key. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing is too, is like, golly, everyone's so dang competitive nowadays that yeah. I think that drives a lot too. But again, if you want it, you know, you'll get it. You'll, you'll get make it. it happen. Yeah. You'll make it happen for sure. So let's touch back on real quickly. Um, the necessity or when, uh, different internships in small animal medicine and then going to large animal doing what, doing all of that, when that would be, um, recommended for someone that wants to go into exotics. And it sounds like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if you want to go into zoo medicine, that's really the, the, the big time to to do that, where you would do a couple of internships and then do your zoo residency or, or whatever it's going to take mm-hmm. to get you there. Is, is there any other area of exotics that you think that that's really um, required nowadays? Well, zoo medicine is just... I mean, thank God for those people. I, I mean, I can't imagine. I have enough going on that I, I can't imagine yeah. having to do hoof stock and, and elephants and like rhinos right. at the same time. Um, I mean, if you want to be zoo, um, I'm, you know, and granted, I'm not a zoo vet, but I all my friends are. Um, <laughs> and I can tell you what they did. <laughs> um, and uh, what they did is, you know, uh, they did in small animal rotating. They did two, if not three exotics focused internships before they may or may not have placed a residency. Um, But I do say if you're like in vet school and you're zoo oriented, I would highly recommend you track mixed for Mm -hmm. for the reasoning that um, you are going to be dealing with 
larger animals that aren't just, you know, they're exotic, but you need the cow medicine to have that comparative medicine for. Um, And so I guess, you know, always just keep your horizons very, very broad um, if you're zoo. Um, And if you are also zoo, um, no, you do kind of have to make pretty good grades. Um, You know, you, it is, it is pretty competitive. Um, but again, you know, I mean, people, if they are passionate, they, I've seen some people that maybe weren't the top of their class, but, you know, just persevered long enough that they, they got their position and they, and they love their life now. So. Right. Yeah. And I think that the coolest thing, I think the coolest thing about veterinary medicine in general, but this also applies specifically to exotics is that there's so many areas you can go into. You can go into zoo or private practice mm-hmm. or conservation and all of this stuff. It's like the options are endless. Yes, it, it, it is. And I remember my professor in uh, vet school would say options are endless and, you know, C, it, you know, the average C does equal DVM, but A equals possibilities. And she kind of <laughs> is right about, you know, about that. You know, I wasn't a, a straight A student by any means. Um, and and I didn't, you know, need to, I didn't, I didn't need to be because I did a, a private practice internship. But right. if I wanted to be in academia or if I wanted to um, hold that zoo residency, um, most of those are at academic facilities. The zoo residencies are. And so you probably are going to need to be a little bit more competitive with your your grade point average as well as um, have publications. I think that's yeah. for the zoo vets that the thing that is, is very challenging is that you're expected to publish. I think it, I know for Davis, you're expected to publish five publications um, like within your residency and your residency is like three years. And so, I mean, and so first author, you know what I mean? And so you, you need to have started your residency with several publications. And nowadays, a lot of these people won't even take you as a zoo intern. If you don't have at least one publication, first author. Um, yeah, it's getting, it's written repetitive. And so, um, and so that's also stuff to think about is, um, be well-rounded. Um, and again, it's kind of like I was saying earlier, like, like, do you know, you know, like, find your, your, you know, professor or research coordinator, whoever that you can um, get involved in, you know, learning how to write a paper is the most challenging part. Once you wrote your first paper, then it's like, you know, okay, I could probably do it again. Um, But, but, you know, these, these programs want to know that you have that capacity that you got, you've gotten your feet wet with that. And because you're going to have to do that for uh, board certification um, and um, being sitting eligible to sit your boards and things like that. Right. Cool. And then do you think over time or, or, or if the answer is no to this, then the second question would be, what can we do to change this is, is there going to be in the future some more opportunity for vet students to be tracking more uh, exotics or just getting more exposure to it in veterinary school? I know personally we get like one course during didactics. We don't have a big exotics department, really we don't even have an exotics department in our hospital. So that's not really a, a, a clinical rotation option for us. We get a lot of externship time uh, to go find something, but our exposure overall is... Uh, very, very limited to put that nicely. So do you think that 
given the next decade or so, we'll start to, to get a little bit more training in vet school? I do. Um, and the reason why, maybe not zoological medicine. So again, not tigers. But I definitely think uh, the companion animals, at the very least, the companion small animals. The reason sure. why is because rabbits are our third most common pet we have. Yeah. Um, and and they're really popular. They live thirteen, you know, up to thirteen years. And so, I mean, they're they're really becoming a part. My um, my boyfriend's actually a professor at a university. He's an exotic animal veterinarian, and he's you know trying to to revamp the curriculum. And in his whole platform is that, hey, these animals exist. And, you know, I'm not trying to make every vet student, a, you know, a specialist, but at the same time, you know, especially if they're this, this people are living in these rural environments, they need to at least know what they're looking at or at least how to right. triage something. Um, I mean, it's really, really important. Um, and so I'm really hoping to, to see that there's some trends and some changes. I know the programs are only getting stronger. Um, we kind of joke in exotic medicine that we're, you know, about 10 years behind dog and cat medicine. And yeah. we kind of are, because if you think about it, like how many publications there are about dogs and then how many there are about, you know, uh, I'm trying to pick a non uncommon species like sugar gliders, you know? And so it's just like the knowledge is just not known. I mean, part of it is due to, you know, okay, size and, and, you know, not able to get a lot of samples, um, right. availability, right. you know, commonality. But another part of it is it's just we have too many species to start publishing. And so I think, right. you know, over the, you know, as, you know, our, our little community gets bigger and as these pets become popular, um, we're going to get more literature. We're going to really ramp up our medicine, um, which I think is going to, to also make the veterinary curriculum like need. It's going to be a need for them to incorporate right. at least the very basics um, right. because they're out there and, and, and they need help too. Yeah. My prediction is that since veterinary medicine is becoming so advanced and we, we know so much about all these domestic species and, and the range of animals that people are owning right now is only getting larger, mm -hmm. yep. I think that eventually... Schools are out there are going to have to start forcing students to to track pretty specifically into what they want to do mm -hmm. or which I would not want uh, in my case would be to to follow what human doctors do, which is obviously do internship and residency. Um, right. Because I think that that in order for us to be experts at at our respective areas of medicine, we, we, we need more more specific training or more advanced training. So um I would not be surprised if in 10 years, when you go to veterinary school, you're going to have to decide if you're going to be a small animal doctor or a large animal. And then that's going to be a lot of your focus rather I, than getting this wide, uh, you know, basic mm -hmm. knowledge on, on everything, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But I think one of my biggest challenges in school is that there's just so much to know and I can't retain all of that. You know, I don't want to be a large animal doctor. you're not but... interested exactly. That was, I mean, right. let's, let's face it. I'm, I know many of my classmates are like, oh my God, they're talking about birds. <laughs> you right. know, so I agree with you. The literature is just, we're, we're, we're getting good vets. Like, we're, I mean, we really are. We're, we're getting, we're, we're getting to level, you know, evidence-based medicine is increasing. And so the more we, we publish, the more we find out, the, the more they're going to have to learn. And, and I think that's a, 
pretty good prediction, Dr. Williams, that we're going to have to um, start targeting a little bit of a focus or making this the school more um, just change the curriculum altogether. Yeah. And I, I really feel for you guys that, that, that really love exotics. And I feel for the guys that, that only want to do large animal and only want to do equine because gosh, so much of vet school is, is small animal focused. And I know that some of my friends that are going to you know be graduating the next few weeks here and are going to be going into food animal exclusive, just <laughs> right. roll their eyes at the, at the next small animal medicine course that we had to take. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. Like that's just the way it is. But medicine is medicine. And yeah, okay, you might not be doing the echo in the horse, but <laughs> right. hey, some of it's applicable, so. Right. Cool. Well, let me ask you a couple of quick uh, rapid-fire questions before we wrap it up, all right? All right. What is your favorite animal to treat right now? To treat is different than animal, but to treat, um, I really like rabbits. <laughs> I yeah. really love bunnies. They're just, they don't make noise. They're soft. They're clean. Um, they're really cute. They're compliant. Like for the most part, like they don't, they're not fractious, you know, they, you can actually work yeah. with them. The only thing that stinks about bunnies is, you know, they come in real sick. Um, and so yeah. sometimes they're real fragile, but I, I think working with rabbits is it's where it's at. It's my favorite. <laughs> so then more broad, overall, to treat, to own, whatever. What is your favorite animal out there on the planet? Oh, Marcy, uh, I like uh, macropods. So like wallabies and kangaroos oh, yeah. and oh, they're so cute. I don't ever need to own one. Um, but <laughs> but um, if you want to bring them to me, I will be delighted. Um, and I just love admiring them. And what's the craziest animal you've ever owned? Me owned? Um... Or, or seen in practice. Let's, let's, let's broaden it. Okay, but I say owned. I mean, I own a parrot. So, I mean, oh, that's that's crazy. That, it's yeah. crazy. Don't don't buy parrots. They're they're my spe- they're <laughs> <laughs> that's my specialty. I'm an avian. I'm, I'm an avian, but <laughs> but I don't own parrots. They're a bad idea. Um, but I love her. She's awesome. Um, I guess to treat. I don't know. A couple weeks ago, we saw an aardvark. That's kind of cool. Whoa. Um, there was this one time this this person brought me this giant. Indian red flying tree squirrel, which picture a flying squirrel, but the size of a cat. And it was Jeez. red. It was really cool. I didn't even, no, know, thank you. I didn't even know that. Well, it was, no, it was awesome. You would have been <laughs> like, oh my God. I didn't even know that thing existed. That's probably the most, like in, for my world, exotic animal that I've ever seen. Um, but, uh, but at the zoo, I've worked with, I worked with everything. Right. <laughs> that is super, super cool. Um, cool. Well, Dr. Thielen, this has been amazing. I learned so much about exotics medicine and 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 you're gonna have to hold me to this, but when I get out into practice in, in a couple months here, seeing small animals, I will definitely be open to, to treating those pocket pets if someone wants to bring them in to see me. So um, Well don't call them pocket I'll have to pets. Learn all about them. We can't call them pocket yeah. pets. Us in the exotic field, we don't like it when you call them pocket pets. What 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 should I be calling exotic it? Exotic small mammals. Because they don't they don't fit in your pocket. They don't go there. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> then I, I'll, I'll make the change. I will just, spread the word and the knowledge. I'm just getting with you. <laughs> no, that's good. All right. Well, thank you. This has been super helpful. And I know that all the people out there that are listening uh, that want to go into exotics have, have, will, will have taken a lot away from this. And um, 
I think you may have even converted some people that may have not thought about this. So oh, I hope uh, so. It's awesome. It's, yeah. I love what I do. I mean, I definitely pick the right specialty. So I hope there's people who, who find that passion too. That's great. So lastly, where can people go find out more about you or the show or what you're, what you're going to be up to? Um, I have, um, an Instagram account, Dr. Lauren Thielen, that's pretty active. I have, um, a Facebook, same thing. Um, and we actually next week are starting to film our new television show here in Texas. So there will be more to come. (laughs) Awesome. Tune in. Uh, Nat Geo Wild, is that still? Uh Uh-huh, yep. Awesome. Well, we'll have to watch out for that. That'll be fun to see. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, Seth. Cool. All right. Well, thank you again. Yeah, this has been great. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you then. Bye. One more huge thank you to Dr. Lauren Thielen. Be sure to follow her on Facebook and Instagram and check out her Avian and Exotics Hospitals website at www.texasavian.com. And last but certainly not least, thank you for listening to the Vet School Unleashed podcast. If you like the podcast, please feel free to leave me a review. Reviews are a great way to spread the word about the podcast. For resources and more information, check us out at www.vetschoolunleashed.com or find me on Instagram at SethTheAlmostVet or on Facebook. You can also connect with me via email at Seth at VetSchoolUnleashed.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time on Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM.